She's Nicole and I'm Erica, and we're the co-conspirators of the Women of Color Collaborative, where we're working, playing, and building our way toward healthier, safer, and more farming spaces for women of color. And this is Cool Calm Collaborative. Yay, I really should just put the same one at the beginning of every episode. But I like hearing the difference in your voice. <laughs> I like it. Expressing the difference in my voice. Like the okay. what words stick out to me today. Yes. I enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> How are you doing? Girl, it's been a week. Um, but I'm well. We are still social distancing. Um, it feels like one week is really easy and the next week is super hard for no reason, including us losing power here in Nashville, which sent me to the bad place this week. I think I was doing well. I was hanging on, um, tied a, tied a knot in my rope and really like, huh, was hanging in there. And then I didn't have power for two and a half days, um, which could have been maybe okay but the fact that I'm vegan um that I cook and prep most of my own food and the few places that I can eat have already been impacted by COVID and closed right and then you throw a power outage for I think literally half of our county on top of that and your girl your girl spiraled your girl spiral. Yeah. So, but luckily I had some amazing sister friends who came to the rescue. A lot of my learning in this season has been how to open up my mouth and say when I'm not okay. Sometimes that's a Facebook post that goes, your girl struggling. Um, sometimes it's just when someone actually asks me how I'm doing, being very honest about that. And it's created a really beautiful opportunity for me to learn and grow from feeling supported, genuinely supported by my community. Yeah. I think part of the reason it was so hard for me, because I kept, I kept, it kept coming to top of mind, like, why is this bothering me so much? Why does being inconvenienced in this way bother me so much? It starts to, it's like, I have, obviously I have control issues, <laughs> but the feeling that nothing is really mine or nothing, I don't have control over anything, you know, I just, I pay these bills and they could still, something could still happen to where I don't have all of the things that I need. And so it just a, the feeling powerless, see what I did there, mm -hmm. <laughs> but feeling powerless and like feeling like I don't have control of the situation really, it, it that is what I think sent me in my emotional spiral for that. Because obviously in the balance, the, the, the days, weren't that much considering that there are people who lost their power during that tornado who didn't have power again right. um and you know this they're they're my not feeling secure doesn't compare to them being re-traumatized by another thing that they have to think about so it's like a tornado a pandemic I, and the the other part about it for me was like my my weather wasn't even bad you know what i'm saying like the, the the storm didn't even hit me that bad so i can imagine that people who didn't have power over here were like what did we even do what do like what what do you do when things are not in your control in this way you know that that sucked so what did work what was your favorite thing that happened this week my favorite thing that happened happened totally by accident and a girlfriend called me and was like so what you really want is and so let me fill in the blanks for folks mm -hmm. I 
recently had two family members move in with me that I'm really super excited about, and it has been a significant shift. And I appreciate you naming that powerless, ha, pun intended, um, feeling, because I do believe that was part of my spiraling. It's not just me and the dog anymore. There are two other people who live with me now, and not just two new people, but two family members who I deeply care about, who also are new to this state. And so it's well, we can figure out how to navigate this together, ultimately the responsible party. Um, and on the sort of awareness side of that for myself is my, my space within my home has significantly shifted. So I have a three bedroom house. One bedroom was a guest bedroom. The other bedroom was um, an office slash my dog's <laughs> safe space. And I've had to move my office to my living room. Um, I've had to move everything else out of both of the other rooms and find spaces for them, either in my room or downstairs. And it's fine, right? Like I actually feel really comfortable with the changes that were made. And I'm so thankful for that because it could have gone a different way with me. However, I, I am recognizing that there is a need for me to still have a space that is dedicated for me. Um, not just from a work perspective, but also just like the way I need to decompress and process. I need to be able to, to be in a different space. And I have a storage shed out back. And it looks something straight off of a, a, a middle class, you know, suburban neighborhood um, because it's a red barn shape. The family that lived here prior um, had lots of little kids. And anyway, I've never used a shed for anything. I've always imagined turning it into like a yoga or a meditation space. And I woke up, literally woke up one morning. I think you and I were talking about office space for walk. And I was like, girl, I got to have somewhere to work. Like I have to have somewhere where I can just go to, to feel a little bit more productive. And so we were bouncing some ideas around. And then I went, why not just turn this shed into like a multi-purpose work slash meditation slash clubhouse space yeah. for myself and for my work wife and for any of the other stuff that needs to happen and I got really really excited about that and it felt good it didn't feel like oh this is just something that I'm putting like it it felt aligned and literally within 24 hours I've had somebody already come out do the measurements give me you know some ideas and and shout out to our collaborators it's somebody's daddy <laughs> like literally somebody's daddy like my homegirl's dad called me and was like I heard you need something done with your shed and I was like come yeah, on Mr. Yeah. Pete <laughs> yes that's good I'm excited I cannot wait to see it and as we were talking about it before I was trying to imagine where this shed is in your backyard and literally could not find it in my memory until you said it's a red barn <laughs> now I can see it but before I was like where, where is this shed but I, I got it Random red barn in the backyard. <laughs> Love it. That's wonderful. How about you? What's been your favorite thing this week? So, speaking of that, the 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 power outage. That was my birthday, <laughs> and we actually lost power um, while we were watching Westworld. And you know, this is something I look forward to <laughs> every week. And so, we lost power. Like, I think we had 15 minutes in the episode, 15 minutes left to go. And when did the season finale? Yes, it was the season finale. Yeah, 
yes, yes. So it's a season finale of one of my favorite shows on TV. Uh, my other one of my other favorite shows on TV actually had a premiere that we were gonna watch after. Couldn't watch it because we had no power. So yeah, it was my birthday. So all this is happening, um, and the single day Mayo just happened to fall on Taco Tuesday, and so I decided to fully commit to we're doing this. Like I'm going to do Taco Tuesday because everything else has been shitty. Um, just for the last two days or whatever. So um, I actually made tacos three ways. <laughs> and it made me so happy. We just had regular old, you know, ground beef and taco meat, that kind of thing. And then I did some baked tacos. And then I did loaded mini tacos inspired by Jack in the Box. And it was great. It was, it was literally the highlight of last week was having all of those tacos. And, you know, my baby loves taco meat. She loves taco meat. Yeah, she's for as long as she could say words, she's been asking for taco meat that way. So it was great, absolutely fantastic. And um, I purchased some more lettuce and cheese sauce so I can make me some more tacos, mini tacos, loaded mini tacos. So, yes, I'm having Taco Tuesday for like on a Wednesday or Thursday or whatever day I decide to go throw them in the air fryer. That's how I'm changing my life. So, that's how much of an impact it had on me. <laughs> I'm so glad that your world was shifted by Taco Tuesday in such an important way. I saw the pictures. They looked yummy. So good. And I, you know, similar to the way I, <laughs> I offer Michelle shrimp, even though she is allergic to shellfish, like my brain, I'm just so into God, this tastes good. You won't. Okay. Um, I was like, you won't, you don't eat any of the things I had on my plate. So yeah. But it was good, girl. It was funny. Um, I mean, the main event, like what really made us happy this week was listening to uh, Angela Davis and Nikki Giovanni in conversation with the co-founders of Girl Trek. Um, are you, were you familiar with Girl Trek before this? Yes. And actually, Walk has collaborated with them in the past. Um, we have some amazing sister friends here in Nashville who have been a part of the Girl Trek movement for quite a while. Shout out to Lakeisha. I have no I was, idea if she's really listening or not, but shout out to Lakeisha. Um, and I, I will say, admittedly, I have been unaware of a lot of like beyond the physical movement space right like the social movement behind girls trek has been a little bit less in the forefront of my mind i think the people who represent girl trek and who show up for walk events and and when we are able to support their events um, embody a lot of what i heard on the call um, but it was a great reminder of the complexities of their mission mm -hmm. um i I, I didn't know that there was a, a central organization behind them at all. Um, because Lakeisha, I think when she was talking about it, I got the impression, like, I, I, I thought it was just like Facebook groups, you know? So I, like, I didn't know. I mean, I feel like we, <laughs> I must have known that WAC did things with Girl Trek. But in my brain, it was like, oh, this is great. I wonder if they're hiring. <laughs> so it's just, yeah it's just one of those things that kind of I don't even know where I saw it it was like I need to be listening to to 
Angela and Nikki because I listen to anything they say, read anything they write. Um, I do want to say that um, they did the conversation as a part of a Daughters of, you know, movement or campaign to tribute as in tribute to black mothers and black motherhood. So that is just kind of like the umbrella that they did this conversation mm -hmm. under. Mm -hmm. I also really enjoy, we haven't even gotten into the conversation yet, but I enjoyed seeing these two black women who started a movement, who had a vision and worked towards it, like engage with one another around their vision, like with these pillars of, of, of our being like that was really fun to see it un unfold in that way so um there was so many highlights of why this conversation is one of my favorite things this week but not the least of being just like who the people were and their story to get to the place that we can sit and enjoy i legitimately i think the evening it it aired i was in the midst of doing something it may have even been walk related or i honestly just could have been burnt out when I'm sitting in front of a computer and watching anything the variety of individuals and the diversity in in their within their own demographics who reached out to me to tell me I needed to watch this was also very telling mm -hmm. and I thought about that while I was watching because they said it multiple times tag somebody who needs to be here and I was like I wonder how that's going down like what who's who are they gaining steam that way because they kept, you know, we had the, um, the verses between Jill and Erica and they kept saying, um, tag them, let them know we need to, they need to be here. And so I wonder if they showed up and who, cause you can't see that on a Facebook live. Can you, the way you can on Instagram, who's showing up? See like which who, part. Yeah. Who's coming into the space? I don't think so. Yeah. So that was, that was, was good i didn't finish it the first like while I, I started watching it live but i didn't finish it until the next day um but um how do you want to transition into this conversation i think the best way for us to start the conversation is the same way that the founders of girl trek started their conversation so as you mentioned earlier um this this dialogue between auntie nikki and auntie angela um, was to launch part of their launching of a new campaign, which is called um, Daughters of. And the premise behind this campaign is, is to say the names, to say the names of those individuals who come, who've come before us, um, though the, the, the shoulders of the giants that we stand on, and, and to recall the stories. They were such amazing storytellers on that call. It was one of the things that literally brought me to tears. I think I five times listening um, over the course of that interview and so the goal as a part of launching this campaign is to say your name and then your mother's name your grandmother's name and honestly to whatever extent it makes sense right we're within your lineage as a reminder of our connectivity to these women to the stories and to the the depths beyond just the boxes we check and the titles we've held but really the lessons that we learn from these individuals so, I am Erica, daughter of Aletha, daughter of Elizabeth, better known as Liz, daughter of Flora, and daughter of Cora. Uh, I'm Nicole, daughter of Gail, daughter of Desiree, daughter of Myra. That's as far back as I can go. I had to remind myself, I remember the names primarily because 
we did uh, Becoming Future Ancestors yeah. last year. And um, I went back to the text message where my aunt recalled all the, the their their legal names because we real good for making nicknames for folks. And, you know, I know Medea and I know Papoose. I don't know their real names. And so I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I know. I was trying to name the, the pictures. And you were like, I don't know. <laughs> Girl, I was like, I, let me text. Let me text and find out what, what the real names were. Yeah, I think I think in all so even thinking of my father's mother, like my my maternal lineage on that side, my, my maternal lineage on my father's. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. I can only go up to my grandmother's mother there too, um, and even, um, you know, my step family or whatever, I can go to my my grandmother's mothers all around, um, and I think that that comes like people in my family who are alive right now knew those women. And so that is why, like, I, I can, I know their names because those, their stories got passed down because my mother met Myra, you know, my mother knew her grandmother, my father's knew both, you know. So I think hearing them, all of my parents talk about their grandmothers, it, it you know, what you said about the, the stories is super important because we wouldn't, I wouldn't know these people if we weren't telling their stories. Right. So super i love that girl trek is is taking on this campaign and sharing these stories and it ties into i know we haven't gotten really into the content of of the the um, video yet but the power of those stories and also being able to recall and remember those stories as inspiration and a place of strength um, and being able to mine those gems from individuals while they're living, mm-hmm. I have felt an additional sense of urgency around that in my own life, in my personal life. I spent some time, it must have been maybe two or three years ago now, my aunt had sort of a, a medical spell and we were really concerned about her. And so I went home and spent some time and helped her get settled and cleaned her room out. And as a part of cleaning her room out, we Um, came across the box of obituaries. Um, She is an elder in our family and the one who has been the keeper of all the things. And as a part of, you know, even our bonding process, I asked her to tell me about the people in these obituaries. And I remember just having this deep gratitude for that opportunity because if 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 she weren't there, I would not have a connection with any of these people that I'm seeing on these on these obituaries, you know, in, in this shoebox um, that's in her home or underneath her her bed. So I think the conversation was a reminder of like, I want to spend more time learning. I want to spend more time hearing the stories to be able to recall um, so that I can carry that that torch in the light of these women and men who um, aren't aren't all my blood family. And I believe it was Auntie Angela when she got to the place of, of talking about ancestors who said, I consider anyone who chose to love me to be my ancestor. Oh, this may or may not make it in. But as we talk about Mother's Day, um, I know Mother's Day is a touchy subject for a lot of people, but it always makes me think about um, like how we mother each other and the people who have mothered me who are not my mother. Um, obviously my aunts, my grandmothers and everybody, but my friends have mothered me a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. So that 
is yeah people who chose to love me or family that's that's deep i like that okay so with that in mind we're gonna talk through our um we're gonna talk to the gems that we needed for our younger selves, the gems we need to hear for our lives right now, and the gems that we want to carry with us and remember moving forward. Um, that's how we're going to share our, cause they're really, I mean, usually we take you through like a high point, a low point, a grade and all that shit, but all of this is a high point. So we're just gonna share the gems that we, minds, that we got, we're gonna give them to you. Let's do it. Okay. So for my younger self, um, okay so um there's the earlier early on nikki is talking about um how she was saying like we hold in so much because we have to do so much for our ancestors for our mothers because our mothers weren't going to do it so it's like all the all the things that she in her generation got up and did it was for their ancestors and so she was basically she was saying you graduate for those little ladies who you know sit on the porch and smoke and brag on you. And this resonated with me because I did not participate in my college graduation. And for me, it was a matter of, you know, I just don't want to. My college experience has not been like what I wanted it to be. It didn't, by the time I graduated, I was already working. I was very mentally removed from all of it. And so I was going through the motions because I knew that it was important for my grandmother and for my mother and for everyone to be able to say that, you know, their child has a college degree. But beyond that, it just didn't really matter to me. And so I didn't care to participate in any any of it, any of the, the ceremonial stuff. I didn't have a party. I didn't do any of that. And over the years, especially since my grandmother has died, she never asked me why I didn't. She never told me I needed to or, you know, any of that. But I know that it would have made her really happy to have been able to come to you know, my graduation. She was at my high school when and made her very, very proud. There was like a whole to do about celebrating me because I didn't want to have, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to have a party for that either or any gifts or anything, but they kind of insisted in that case. And so the absence of that insistence told me at the time, this is fine, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need to do this. But hearing Nikki say it, I was like, oh. Okay, so the reason my grandmother didn't say it is because she knew who she was dealing with. But I also know that if I heard that, I would have done it for her. Mm-hmm. So it's like for I, I needed to hear an elder kind of get me together uh, around that that we're that I'm not doing this just for me, or that it's not just about today. Is that they want to be able to sit on the porch and say, "Look at this picture of my baby who did this." So that was a, that really stuck out to me. Something my younger self needed to hear. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump a little bit and what the listeners don't know is that we also watched Becoming yesterday together uh, with a, a group of amazing women um, and did sort of a, a virtual watch and wine and then wind down mm-hmm. afterwards to discuss it and there was a very similar moment that occurred in Becoming towards the end um, Michelle is visiting some of the women from the home church uh, of her and, and Barack and she, the little old ladies were sharing, you know, just how proud they were and are of her. Um, and, and part of our conversation with the group yesterday was really around 
this is who we do it for sometimes, right? Like even if you don't necessarily need the satisfaction, the little old church ladies who never thought they would ever see the day that we would have a black president, let alone it being little Michelle and Barack from their actual church, you know, that, that moment of Michelle saying like, we are doing this for, for you all too. Mm -hmm. My gem to my younger self, um, I believe it was Auntie Nikki who, and it was in reference, I believe, to a question that came from the audience. And it was something around, you know, convincing folks who are around you or getting the approval or the affirmation of those around you. And she said, you're asking someone who hates you if you're pretty. Mm -hmm. And I about had a shout. And not necessarily because my younger self felt like she needed the validation of, of any of the people around her. Um, I think quite the opposite. I was very secure in myself. I did not fit in and I knew I didn't fit in, but I did not have, I didn't question my own self-worth or my own value. But there was this desire to be able to feel affirmed within the context of my school environment or, or you know, my dance environment, any of those things. And her saying, you, you're asking someone who hates you if you're pretty. It's like, you are seeking this one, this superficial validation, mm -hmm. right? Because she was very intentional about like, not if they love you. She said, if you're pretty. So you're seeking, that's what it was. They were talking about images. Mm -hmm. They were discussing the image of black women and like what, how we need to dress or present ourselves in order to be seen or heard in relation to oh no it was the their four the, the pageant winners the the four main pageant winners are all black women um and nikki was very frank about not caring about it at all yeah. and and this is why this yeah. this particular gem is why thank you so for me obviously her words were beyond just a beauty pageant but i did appreciate the contrast like the the deep level of disdain, right? That a per, a population and systems an entire country has for you at your root, and you are looking for validation as something that is as superficial as, do you find me attractive and visibly pleasing and aesthetically, you know, um, palatable in a way that now I meet your standard of beauty. So I think that gym for my for my younger self would be you don't fit in because this was never designed for you. And so you have to be okay understanding that they are not going to connect with you at that level that you desire to be connected in this community. I, that resonated with me on a, on a different level. Um, that in that same conversation, that's where I got the gym that I need for my life right now. Um, and that is when Angela was saying, you know, I do know about this and I don't care. Like she was <laughs> very specific about saying, I absolutely am aware this is the case, but there's so much other things, you know, in the world going on that we need to care about. Um, but specifically what resonated is when she said that beauty is about freedom and it's about liberation and that is what we need to be working towards. We need to make sure that we are physically, spiritually, and mentally healthy and that beauty is a part of that as opposed to what, what you know, what Nikki was responding to in this kind of petty, um, insignificant, are you pretty type thing. That beauty is, is more based in your freedom and your liberation and how we're working for a more beautiful world. Also, Angela says she washes and conditions her hair and that's it. And 
her fro is flourishing, that's what I need to get to. And it resonates with me right now because I've never really been like, I don't wear makeup. I mean, the most you'll really see me in is some lip gloss or some with a little tint. I like to wear earrings most sometimes. Um, but as far as like making sure, like I, I've never been into fashion, like none of that has ever been a thing for me. Um, and then in recent years, as my body has changed after having a baby, it's been even further from my mind. And so in the end, I have also been thinking or like having the back of my mind that I need to get back to a place where I'm doing my hair every day, or I need to make sure that I'm doing, that I'm twisting my hair or that I'm wrapping my hair or whatever, or making sure that my clothes fit a certain way. And it's not, it's not freedom and it's not liberation. Like my thoughts around it have not been particularly positive or freeing so I needed to hear her say those words to me right now it's not to say that I won't continue to think that I need to be doing different things or more things to take care of myself but the the angle is different now like the I have it, it was enough to shift how I think about beauty and myself today I think at one point she even said she talks about like beauty is about freedom and that our expression of, of our free expression of our beauty is also that freedom itself. And I think that was super, super important to hear that it works both ways. That beauty is about freedom and that as an active practice of our freedom, that is really where our beauty is able to, to shine. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I loved it. Yes. So my gem for today was about gaze. And this term has come up quite a bit and it's resonated deeply with me since seeing Toni Morrison's film. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, which I think I've seen that clip a number of times, but seeing it in the context of her entire, well, not entire, but the, the breadth of her body of work that they were able to explore in that particular film. Um, and, you know, there's an interview where she's talking to a, um, a journalist who's essentially pushing her about writing about Black stuff and a Black experience. And I will save us all, you know, from going down that rabbit hole. But ultimately, where she says is like, I write for Black people and I, I have no desire for the white gaze to approve of anything that I do. And that's been sitting with me for about a year now or since we, we saw that film. And I, I can't remember who said it, if it was Auntie Nikki or Auntie Angela, but she says the only gaze we need is for each other. And I believe maybe this was Nikki talking about um, Toni Morrison had a son who passed. He was in a, a car accident, I think. Um, I don't remember. So she had a son who passed um, her and Auntie Nikki sort of walks through the unfolding of her sister circle, right? Like what was happening? Um, Nikki put together this event and invited, you know, a list of folks who were to come and to celebrate Tony and to celebrate with her and, and just create a space where she felt safe and even invited them to identify passages of her work to read aloud. And I think while, while, why all of that resonated with me is it, even in the way she talked about it, it was the power of us showing up with and for one another and only doing it for each other. And oftentimes, I think we, we recognize that we live and can operate sort of in a bubble, 
but the bubble has um, a one-way mirror or a one-way window, right? That we're expecting white folks to still be able to see us, to still um, to have a, a vantage point into how we are living and existing. And whether we admit it or not, it, it informs what we do and how we show up. And hearing the only gaze we need is for each other, not the only gaze we need to be worried about, not the only gaze that's priority, but she said very specifically, the only gaze we need is for each other. The only person and people I need to be concerned about are my other women of color. The only folks whose um, opinions matter enough for me to inform my decisions, the only folks who make me feel as validated as they should, it, it's, it comes from women of color. And so that was the message and a reminder for me today, especially living in, in the world and climate that we're living in right now, where not only the economic uncertainty, but everyone's trying to figure out what does resilience look like in, in the workplace and in the movement, given um, what's happening right now. That, so gaze came up yesterday during becoming our chat about becoming two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I've, I've probably been grappling with this since we started Women of Color Collaborative. Um, you know, as opposed to it being Black women collaborate or something like that. Um, because I'm, I'm very honest about the fact that I don't, I can't name someone I consider to be a white ally. Um, I can't, when, when we're talking about women of color, my friends are Black women, you know? And so I struggle myself with, am I doing this work for women of color or am I doing this for Black women? And we shifted our language a little. It's like, we do want to, we are collaborating with women of color, but a lot of the work we do is specifically for Black women. Um, The majority of the work we do is specifically for Black women, unless it's collaborative. (laughs) And then it's for all of us, you know? And so I'm grappling with that, actively grappling with that as we grow as an organization and as we do more. Um, I'm not gonna say it's been fun, but it has been good mentally for me to think about that and like to check that at the door, you know? Mm -hmm. Is this for women of color? Nah, it's for black women. And like to be able to have that conversation and make a decision either way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, about everything I do, like beyond walk work, you know? (laughs) Am I wearing this mask? for these people like Kroger, nah, I'm wearing it so that I don't give this, like, you know, so I don't catch coronavirus and give it to my people. Like, that's how I I think about it. And so it's been, just as an aside, I had to make, I I, I don't know if I, I probably have said this before in, in another setting, but I had to make a conscious decision that I wasn't living for or dealing with or caring about white gays ever, um, to the extent that, like my code switching is minimal if it's there at all. I, I don't, I don't really think about what they're gonna say about me, you know. Which has led to me wearing slippers to stores, you know. All of the hangups I had about how a black woman shows up in a place kind of melt away when I start to think about who I'm doing that for. And we talk about this a lot, but when we talk about why we get dressed the way we get dressed to go to work, it's so that white people respect us and take us seriously. But, you know, what you don't give a fuck about that? You know, I was showing up to my job in the same leggings and t-shirts that I wear when I work from home. Like, this is, this is what makes me comfortable and we don't have no dress code that specifies anything else. And I haven't worked for an organization that does have a dress code that requires something else, like by choice. Like I'm not, I don't want that to be my life. And I made that, 
I want to say it was right after Trayvon Martin was killed, where I was, I was at a, a bar and white people were talking about leaving a passport in Paris. And I was like, so they just really don't give a fuck about nothing going on in, in our neck of the woods. I don't care about them either. And like every day it's that interrogating, the interrogation of like, what am I really doing this for? Why do the people I care about care about this? If not, why do I? Like what, what is really, who is really looking at me that I care about this? You know, it all, gaze is huge, huge. And I actually, I wrote that down too. It's in a box in my notes. It says gaze really big. So I'm glad that's one of your did. Um, oh, no, is, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> this, this is really, I don't know if I need to set the scene. I think she, she's asking, I don't remember which one it is, but she's asking Angela about um, radical self-care. Um, and she starts to talk about Not start to, but at some point she gets to the point about like being mindful about the language we use, you know, as opposed to lockdown, because that's lockdown really means something to a group of people who've been to jail and something else. And so she talks about her own time in prison and how she had all this fear and what what kind of got her through that was tapping into the emotions surrounding the solidarity she was getting from other people. And so the gym that I, I some I like the way the Girl Trek co-founder summarizes. She said that self-care is fearlessness, community, and gratitude. Um, but Angela herself said gener- that self-care is generating solidarity for others. Mm-hmm. And that is, I would, essentially that is the work that we are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, as women of color operating in, in community with other women of color, we are, we are generating solidarity for each other. And that does feel good. A lot of the work we've done that is for our sisters, you know, has felt the best. And so moving forward, or, I mean, not, not, I don't even need to, to remember, I just need to tap into it more to remember that in, in taking care of myself, I'm also taking care of my community because my self-care is not just about me. And that goes, that's my, you know, our therapist says a lot in my sessions, Nicole can take care of herself. And this is how you take care of yourself this being the act of going to therapy. Um, and I like to say that I'm selfish in the best way because if I'm, if I'm doing all right, then so is my family. So it, that's on a smaller, you know, degree, you know, when I am in a good mood or when I am taking care of myself, I'm in a better position to take care of my family and everything. So that is something I need to remember and carry with me moving forward that um, generating solidarity for others and community and fearlessness and gratitude is really what, my self-care needs to be about. What I love about your framing for that for both of us, because this was both of our gems for the future, <laughs> um, is we actually put that in the mission of the Women's of Color Collaborative. We talk about turning individual strife into communal liberation. Right. Like how do we take those things that um that we actually have found solidarity in our co- in our collective struggle, right? And turn that into, transform that into opportunities for us to be liberated and not just individually, but as a collective. Mm-hmm. Very specifically, what was shared um, by Auntie Angela during that part of her talk that I want to remember for the future is that she actually used this 
term and I loved it. She says, solidarity overwhelms the sense of fear. It is much easier for my brain to get to the place where I recognize why the solidarity is important and operate from that place. What becomes a little bit more challenging for me to embrace and embody within myself is leveraging that solidarity in order to combat whatever hiccups or fears or um, insecurities that I may have in moving forward. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've gotten to a place where I've truly embraced how transformative the solidarity can be from a place of dismantling fear. I know it's strength in pushing and propelling a mission forward, but I also need to better in embody its utility in relation to deconstructing a lot of things even for myself. And so I needed, I needed to hear that. It is another tool. It's not just a byproduct. It's not just the, the, the beautiful outcome, but it, in itself, it's a weapon, that the solidarity is truly a weapon. And it's a weapon against the thing that sometimes feels the most overwhelming to me, which is that apprehension. It's the fear. It's the unknown. And not rooted in not knowing if I can do a thing, but feeling like the, the force that we're working against is bigger mm-hmm. and much more powerful. And what I felt when she said those words is that our solidarity actually is much more powerful than the forces that are working against us. And I needed that. Yeah, I really love that she she said, it's not that the fear goes away. Um, and that, that use of the word overwhelms is intentional and powerful in and of itself. I agree with you there. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I loved it. <laughs> it was it was so good. It was just so good. Um and I'm glad they're still with us and they were able to say those words to us. Um whether they knew they were talking to us or not. They were definitely talking to us. Um I laughed, I cried. One of my elders sent me a message and she was like, I hope you have seen this because it's beautiful. I was like, I'm listening to it now. I've cried three times. Like I'm laughing and crying in the ugliness because it I I didn't it wasn't the kind of cry where you were you were feeling sad, right? Or they were bringing up something that was heavy. It was a cry from a place of I felt seen and heard during this interview. I felt connected to other Black women whose books are on my my bookshelf and who I quote in my email signatures, right? And who I was standing in line for hours to see at TSU. I still remember seeing Nikki Giovanni when I was a student at TSU. She came to visit. Um, first of all, she's a sore, shout out. Number two, she went to Fisk. And so like her, her roots, right, where I play are super, super deep. And, and Auntie Nikki was the first person to tell me, if you're going to spend money and you're going to run up this credit card bill, because I know y'all going to do that anyway, <laughs> take trips. Don't buy shit. Take trips. And anyone who knows me knows that I invest in experiences. I don't invest in stuff. And it wasn't that I needed Auntie Nikki to say those words, but I did need her to affirm how I felt like I was already naturally wired to exist. And to hear that from Auntie Nikki right on a stage was like, maybe I got some shit right. Like maybe, maybe the way I'm approaching life isn't half bad at all. I really love how um, she, oh shit, what did she say? 
oh, it, it was with the radical self-care when <laughs> when Angela said that quote is from Audrey Lord, and it's like the the feeling that I could possibly know the same thing as Angela Davis, like you know, to to recognize her rep like that we recognize the same references in the same way. That we hear these words and Audrey is the first one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. that, that the same woman were the same women who taught her taught me, you know, that that we are reading the same books. Like that is a warm feeling. In frankly, a time where there have not been that many warm feelings, you know. So this was timely. Um this was important and I loved it. I loved how much they love each other. Like the the to hear them talk about Toni Morrison's cooking is like girl in 40 years I'm gonna be telling somebody about your cooking it's the it just feels so warm and the, Auntie Nikki is eating pig feet and grits for breakfast yes girl she is because she's in her 70s you know like that I love that I love that okay because my grandmother was not eating pig beans and grits for breakfast but she certainly had uh, uh, pork chops regularly you know that's just how they were eating she put bacon on her meatloaf you know sausage in her cabbage like we, we delicious stuff but terrible for you so i just hearing those words pig feet and grits i was like yes uh, i can't have none of that but yep I'm with it you. was um the feeling i was listening to it while i was driving mm -hmm. i felt like i was at the kitchen table with my grandmother mm -hmm. and she had invited i'm not gonna cry she had invited people that i didn't even know she knew right to the table but they all knew me and they all knew our stories and i was just oh. there smelling the fat grease and the bacon and like hearing the crackle of the stove and listening to them them laugh nikki giovanni gave us a recipe for drop biscuits like i need if you have not listened to this interview please bless your soul. Like, please bless your soul and just sit at the feet of these amazing women. And you started off this last section by saying they're with us now. And that was, that brought me to tears to see and, and, and feel these legends and know that they are here. We had a similar conversation. We saw Toni Morrison's, the pieces, was it the pieces I am? Mm -hmm. Um, because she was still alive and to have a film made to hear her talk about her own work in real time right while, while she's still alive how powerful that was and while i was listening to nick auntie nikki and i was listening to auntie angela i was giving so much gratitude i actually remember rolling down the windows because i felt like i wanted my prayers to go my gratitude to literally go out into the earth into the atmosphere mm -hmm. of thanks that we have them now. We have an Angela Davis with us right now. We have a Vicky Giovanni with me right with us right now. We just transitioned Toni Morrison. You know, um, we we brought her in in speckles throughout this episode. We have a Michelle Obama who is with us right now. And while we on that line, we also have an Oprah. We do we have them both. We have them both. I don't <laughs> understand why they keep getting pitted against each other. Like we have to choose. Speaking of whatever, Oprah, whatever that's about. Miss me with that. Miss, miss me with that. Please. Yeah, yeah, that that is irritating. But speaking of Oprah, there's a piece of this conversation where um, 
uh, Nikki is talking about reading Morrison and she says, I'm glad that the bluest eye didn't get turned into a bad movie. And then took a moment to say, and I'm not saying beloved was a bad movie. <laughs> and it made me, when you talk about laughing and crying and like back and forth, like that's what it was because I did have this moment where again, you know, Nikki's reading Tony, obviously, but you know, that we're on the same level because we're reading the same shit and we're getting the, she got the bluest eye the same way that I did, even though she has more access to Tony than I do. That's, that's a testament to Tony's greatness um, in all of the things. But to, to, to hear her speak in real terms and give us that grown woman shade that I'm not saying Beloved was a bad movie. And it's like, Auntie, nobody was talking about Beloved until you brought it up. <laughs> no nobody we wouldn't even but okay I, I do feel like I need to watch Beloved again after after that hey I actually thought to myself let me go back and rewatch Beloved so I could figure out the shade that Auntie Nikki and and next again week, our we watching Beloved the podcast I think we're gonna have to watch Beloved next um for our listeners who have not listened to the interview you probably should have just paused this and went to watch but um Auntie Nikki throws so many shots. Like, we just, it was a whole shade tree. Like, a whole <laughs> shade, big old weeping willow tree worth of shade because Auntie Nikki was not with the games. Like, she's like, I'm 70, and I'm going to say whatever the hell I want to say. You know what, is. though? Part of the reason why I've, 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 I've always felt connected to Nikki is because she is, I'm 30, and I'm going to say what I want. I'm 40 and I'm gonna say whatever I want. I mean, that's been her and it's also been me, you know? So when I read her poems, I can hear her saying whatever the fuck she wants mm -hmm. and everything she writes is there. And it has all, if I wasn't going to do it after I read the poem, I was, you know, she's always, she's always inspired me to say whatever the fuck I'm gonna say too. When I talk in my, in my past life, my aspirations were to be, you know, the honorary old professor that you need in order to graduate <laughs> and that's always been or that was my goal in life was to be a Helen Houston a Nikki Giovanni a, I wanted to be them you know and so to be able to <laughs> to hear her be like yeah I'm 70 I don't care about that or I don't know that it's like yes I hear you at 70 but I also heard you when you was writing at 30 or 40 yeah. this is who you are and yeah. that's why I appreciate you Yes. Speaking of uh, Helen Houston, I called Dr. Gloria Johnson today and had about a 45 minute conversation with her. And that made my everything smile. Um, she is one of my beloved elders. Um, and along with those, those honorary university professors, I appreciate them. <laughs> And say that was my my old aspiration. It's still possible that one day I could find one of actually this was a white man who told me, you know, white men know how not to pay things they don't want to pay. But um Jeff at Oasis, um, early when I started working there, um, he said to me, he's like, You're about to graduate, what are you gonna do next? I was like, I guess I'll go to grad school. He was like, You guess you're gonna go? He was like, That's what comes after. And he said, Uh, do you want to? He said, No. So, so why are you going? I said, because that's what comes after. He said, so I want you to go to grad school. It's like, okay. He said, but don't go if you don't want to or if somebody else is not paying for it. It's like, I don't, I don't understand this. And he said, when you find the program that you need to be in, you will be in that program. 
and I have not found that program yet, but I will. Cause you know, obviously when you get an English degree, education and more English is staring right at you. And I had no desire, no desire whatsoever to read more Shakespeare and Chaucer. It just is not on my, it's just not there. Um, so I didn't want to go to grad school and it plain as I didn't want to go into education. Like I didn't, th- those were not things I wanted to do. And so I'm not saying that he freed me from that. I mean, my ass didn't want to go to my graduation. So <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't going to go to grad school, but it, that has stuck with me. So it's not to say that I don't have an aspiration to be somebody's honorary professor in the future, but until I find the program that's paid for, um, and that is for me, that is calling me, I'm not going to do it. We could do this literally all day. <laughs> we can sit down here. We could sit on here and probably go word for word with this conversation. It was that good. Was there anything else you wanted to say? I think just as a closeout, I appreciate it. And I believe it was Auntie Angela who said, we are here out of the imagination of poor Black women. And that was super powerful for me, partially because I've been interrogating my own understanding of what the various roles we have played in our collective history, um, what is missing from the storybooks, who is absent when someone is telling the narrative of what our country and the unfolding of our country. And I've been reminded of all the various roles that we played, even those that were not out front. And I really appreciated hearing the imagination of these these poor Black women that we, and, and we even talk about in our dedication, it was from the folks who chose to survive. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we only think about, you know, the Harriet Tubman, the folks who were out front, but even the Harriet, there was someone else with her, right? And behind her and next to her um, who believed enough that she could execute and that also believed enough to, to stay behind. And it was that type of imagination that birthed an Erica Nicole. Absolutely. So if you didn't have a chance to listen to Angela and Nikki, they said that we, that we could call them that, by the way. Yes. We have permission. <laughs> um, you can find a link to the conversation on YouTube in the show notes. Um, if you did listen, be sure to tell us what you think, you know, what gems resonated with you. Um, for now, we're going to take a quick break before we wrap up the show. As you know, WALK is all about amplifying the visibility and voices of those members of our network that make this work worth doing. That's right, girl. Um, This week, our show is unofficially brought to you by pleasure. (laughs) So this week and next week, we are focusing on bringing virtual opportunities to our networks, to our collaborators, to the greater um, collective that is out there um, by focusing in on a couple things that we return to in order to center ourselves. Some of that is creating safe spaces for us to just be and hang out. So we're doing some virtual happy hours. As we've already alluded to in this um, podcast today, we, we did a watch and wine last night, watching Becoming. And so it gives us a chance to not only decompress, but really build and grow with each other as we dissect and, and explore our own ideas and, and where those sort of bump up against some of our own values and, and work through that together. 
And this evening, we are actually hosting um, a virtual pleasure party where we are engaging our collaborators in an opportunity to explore what brings them pleasure. So what we wanted to do for all of our listeners today it's just give you an opportunity to think about and center your own pleasure in ways that maybe you've never had an opportunity to. So oftentimes when we hear the word pleasure, um, there may be some thoughts that are sexual or erotic that come up by nature, which is completely fine. We are giving you permission to go there also. But ask yourself what truly brings you pleasure. And when we say pleasure, some of the things that help us to get there are, are asking ourselves what makes us feel good, what do we find yummy? What's satisfying to us? What makes us feel fulfilled and happy? And specifically, if I'm thinking about what can I do to keep myself in the good place and not just okay, but what actually provides a sense of gratification that I feel good, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. And if you're having trouble thinking um, or answering those questions, then maybe think about your senses. So we like to ask ourselves, what are the things that we like to hear? What are the, the sensations that we like to feel or the, the textures we like to touch? What are some of the scents that we enjoy smelling um, that bring us a sense of peace or happiness or satisfaction? What are the sights that we enjoy um, viewing and that help us feel calm and then what do we like to taste? What are, what are some of the, um, the flavor profiles of things that we enjoy or the things that feel yummy to us? And as a reminder, you know, self-care, especially in, I think, the, the Black community, um, one, I think the term has been overused. I appreciate that Auntie Angela and Auntie Nikki brought that up. But really returning to the roots of, of how self-care has historically been an act of self-preservation truly caring and embracing the needs of our physical self, of our mental self, of our emotional self is an act of self-preservation. And by definition now, thank you to our Auntie Audrey Lord, it is an act of political warfare. So today's episode, this week's episode is brought to you by one of our favorite friends, which is Pleasure. And we invite all of you to think about what brings you pleasure and really try to keep your cup full as you move forward through this week. Amen. Right. So thank you all for rocking with us for another week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. While you're listening, please give us some feedback. Um, leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening right now. Um, you can find us at work, play, build on all the things. So Holler at us on Instagram, Facebook. Come tell us what's bringing you pleasure. Tell us what you think about the things we're talking about. We need feedback. Um, you can also check out our website, which is workplaybuild.org. That's it for me. See you next week. Nicole, you're your ancestors' wildest dreams. Thank you, girl. And I know, I know you are your ancestors' wildest dreams as well. She's Nicole, and I'm Erica. This is Cool, Calm, and Collaborative. Peace out. <laughs>